everyone, we continue our read-through of the New Testament, and today we are in Revelation 8. We have been given the vision of the seven seals, and we have seen the opening of the first six seals, which brings us right to the consummation of the age. And then, in the midst of the judgment of the sixth seal, there was an interruption, as the question was posed at the end of the chapter, who can stand before the great day of the wrath of the Lord? And then chapter 7 gives us a picture of who will be able to stand, those who are sealed by the Lord. And two visions of the people of God are given. We, are see, we see the militant people of God, the 144,000 represented uh, by those on the earth. That is the visible church that faithfully serves the Lord. And then there is the universal church, right? The church heavenly. Uh, that is the church in its victory. So we see the militant church and the victorious church. That is represented by the great innumerable multitude. So that is who can stand. Those who are sealed by the Lord. That is sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then in Revelation 8, we get a transition. As the seventh seal closes off the seal judgments, a picture of the consummation of one cyclical vision that brings us to the final consummating judgment, and then it interlocks and transitions into the trumpet judgments, which are recapitulating judgments. They are telling the same basic story that we saw in the, the visions of the seventh seal but are now telling them from a different vantage point and is intensifying and escalating with each cyclical vision. And so there will be intensity and escalation, even though there is parallelism with the seven seals and the seven trumpets. And so let's go ahead and let's look at the first five verses of chapter 8 as it closes up the seal judgments and also then introduces to us to the trumpet judgments. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunders, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. We'll stop right there. So this brings the seven seals to the close, and with it, a picture of the consummation of the age. It picks back up where the sixth seal left off. Remember, the sixth seal is what brings us to the picture of the end, the very end of the age, and the seven brings consummation. We see that the Lamb opens it, and there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. The picture here is a, a picture of preparation, a picture as the heavens literally stand in awe of the judgment that is about to come as they prepare to see the Lamb of God wage His powerful fury, the, the justice of God fully brought forth. And so it's a picture of awe, a picture of preparedness as God is about to act in a mighty way. And then in verse 2, there's that little interlocking. So we get a quick introduction of what's about to come. And this happens quite a bit in Revelation, where right before the end of a vision is given, there's a brief, quick introduction to another set of vision that's about to, that's about to happen. And so here we see the introduction to the seven angels who have the seven trumpets of God. And so that's a quick little interjection, quick introduction 
And then now he picks back up with the final judgment in verses 3 through 5, where we see an angel going to the altar with the golden censer. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before him. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire, throws it all on the earth. There are peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. That that language there, which was first seen at the at Sinai when Moses received the law, is what we call a theophany, an appearing of God. And that's the picture. God has come to bring the final judgment. But notice what brings about the judgment here that is pictured in Revelation 8. It is the bowl of incense. The prayer of the saints rises to God and he acts on the prayers of the saints, which all the way back in Revelation 6, remember the fifth seal? It was the, the, the martyred saints underneath the altar crying out, How long, O Lord? Now the answer is now. It's now. Now is the time that I will come to vindicate my people. And that is seen in that when the, the bowl is cast on the earth, that's what brings the final judgment. The picture is, is that the judgment of God is coming as a means of vindication for all those who have been oppressed, all his people who have been oppressed in this life, all sin, all judgment, all martyrs, their vindication has now come. The judgment of God is not merely just an act of his, of his justice. It's also an act of his mercy to his people as he answers their prayers and brings their vindication. And that closes the seven seals from from the interadvental age to the end of the age to the consummation of the age. And now we see another cycle now, a new paralleled cycle that will tell the same story, different vantage point, higher escalation with the seven trumpets. Verses 6 through the end of the chapter, we get the first four trumpets introduced to us. And that's something else that you're going to see paralleled. Just like it was in the seven seals, you get the first four coupled together, the, the fifth and sixth coupled together, an interlude, and then the seventh trumpet. That's exactly how it is. So this is how we can see that kind of parallelism through them. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up. All the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the seas. And a third of the sea became a blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had, many, it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened. And on a third day of and, on, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels 
are about to blow. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So here we have the first four of the seven trumpets. And these four trumpets demonstrate how God deprives the ungodly of their earthly security because of their persecution and idolatry in order to indicate their separation from him. And so these trumpet blasts are warnings. They are means of mercy for God to wake up people as he shakes off and and destroys that which they find security in, that which they make idols for themselves. He levels them, but he does so for the purpose that they might repent. And so this is a picture, once again, of his judgment that that is played out over and over again throughout the interadvental age, this age between the first and second comings. Now, it's important we look at the the trumpets because there are two primary Old Testament stories that are behind them. There are the plagues, which are obviously of the Exodus account, and this is important. Why are plagues here pictured? Because what happened at the end of the plagues, right? God brought a final judgment on Israel, and he gathered his people out from the land into to carry them to the promised land. And that's what the greater exodus will be. God will come. He will destroy the greater Pharaoh, seen in the, the picture of the beast, the, 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 the sorcerers, seen in the false prophet. He will destroy the dragon himself. He will bring judgment upon the, the unbelieving world. And he will take out his people into the promised land. That's the picture of the consummation of the age. And so that's why this language is there. But there's another story behind this, and that is the story of Jericho. In the story of Jericho, we see the Israelite army comes to Jericho and its mighty walls, and there's no way that they're going to penetrate them. God tells Joshua to do something very fascinating. He tells them to lead the people around the city, and for seven days they are to go around the city and blow a trumpet. So they go and do this. For six days. And then on the seventh day, what happens? The walls come tumbling down. And that's the picture here. The worldly city, Babylon the Great, as we will discover later, she will be utterly destroyed in the consummation, seen in the seventh trumpet blow. She will fall. The people of God will be victorious behind their greater Joshua, Jesus Christ. And so that's what's being pictured here behind these trumpet judgments. Very, very important. Now, we see the first angel, right, blowing his trumpet, and we see this mix of hail and fire uh, mixed with blood that is now being thrown down. We're told how the, a third of the earth, a third of the trees, a th- and all the green grass are burned up. I don't believe that the fire is meant to be understood as literal here, but as figurative as elsewhere in Revelation Um, There is this kind of consistent where the visions are said to be communication by symbols. Here, this speaks of God's judgment and the fire burns before God's throne. God is casting down uh, his judgment and it is coming down in thirds. And that thirds could be tied back to Ezekiel's uh, prophecy of of, uh, back in Ezekiel chapter 4 and 5 where he's told, told to divide his hair into three ways and things like that. So this language is once again all coming from uh, Old Testament prophecy. 
And here is a picture of God once again bringing judgment on food supplies, right? He is bringing judgment on that which brings nourishment, that which brings security, that which brings uh, all of these things that we, that we build up and make idols out of. Right, And the second angel then blows. Something like a great mountain, we're told, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. Once again, picture of the plague here. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. You're going to see this same language, almost exact, when we get to the bold judgments. It's because, once again, it's telling the same story. It's giving the same vision. However, what you'll see in the bold judgments is it will escalate. As opposed to just a third or a third here, it will be entire things, right? All of the living creatures will die. All of the beasts will will cease to be, right? It, It will be all universal, comprehensive language. And that's because, not because it's telling two different things, but because it's intensifying and escalating as the book goes along in order to create a greater urgency for the church to both preach the gospel and a reality of the imminency of the coming of Christ and the necessity to hold fast to him in faith. So here we see this mountain burning with fire, thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea becomes blood, right? This mountain burning with fire represents God's judgment on Babylon. In the Bible, uh, mountains are often symbolic of great cities. And this is a picture of Babylon being cast. And, 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 And with her, right, into the sea, the picture of the sea is chaos. It's the where the wicked place dwells. It's where the beast rises up from. God will cast her down, and all of those who are with her, all of those who are cast down in her and with her in the sea will die, right? And this is a picture of the way in which economic deprivation, um, food sources, trade, all of these things, a picture of how that will be utterly and completely cut off throughout the interadvental age, where there will be shortages of food, there will be economic despair. The Babylon the Great, this worldly system, will fail people over and over and over again. And this is a trumpet blast to the world. It's a wake-up call to say, look to the one who alone can give you provision forever. Look alone to the one who can give you eternal life. Look alone to the one who can set you into a kingdom which can never be shaken and never be brought down. Right? That is the call when we find ourselves moved by the insufficiencies of the world. It should direct our eyes to Him alone who is sufficient, worthy is the Lamb. Right Then the third trumpet, right? We see a great star falling from heaven. We, and this is really in many ways a connection to the other. All of the springs of water, the ribbing water, are, are now uh, made bitter by this fallen wormwood, we are told. This star, uh, which is called wormwood, a third of the waters became wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made, made bitter. The judgment of famine appears to, continue, to be continued here. A burning star falls from heaven and pollutes all the rivers and the springs, and the presence of fire continues the previous idea of famine, while the theme of undrinkable water also reinforces the judgment of the second trumpet. Right? This time the fireball is in the form of not a mountain, but a great star. The star, as elsewhere in Revelation, is an angelic being often representative of an earthly person or kingdom. The picture thus appears to indicate the judgment of an angel who represents sinful people. 
These kinds of judgments continue throughout the history and culminate in the final judgment at the return of Christ. The picture here goes back first to Isaiah 14 where Babylon's guardian angel is pictured as a star cast down from heaven into a pit. The star is called Wormwood, which is based upon Jeremiah 9 and Jeremiah 23, where God judges his disobedient people by giving them wormwood and poison water to drink. The uses in Jeremiah are not literal, but metaphorical for the bitterness of suffering resulting from judgment. In fact, the image of polluting wormwood was chosen to show that the judgment was well suited to the crime because Israel's religious leaders figuratively polluted Israel with idolatry So God is pictured as polluting them with bad water, that is, with the bitterness of suffering. Wormwood is a bitter herb which contaminates water and is mentioned in Jeremiah and other parts of the Old Testament figuratively to refer to the bitterness of suffering resulting from divine judgment. The polluting of the fresh waters along with the mention of fire continues the thought of the famine in the previous two plagues. The first three trumpets have been pictured as judgments of fire which affect parts of earth's sea, and rivers, and humanity. Then we get to the fourth trumpet, right, which in verse 12, which continues the theme of the woe, but does not refer to famine. It brings a limited measure of darkness, right, a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars being affected. It's similar to, but more limited in scope than the description of the last judgment in chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, where the sun turns black and the moon is covered. The earlier passage refers to God's final judgment against idolaters and those who persecute his people. So something similar is in view here, though only in partial sense. The allusion is to the plague of darkness in Exodus chapter 10. The Jews interpreted the Exodus plague in a symbolic sense as a spiritual, cultural, or mental darkness. The darkness here may refer to a series of divine judgments, which plunges men into despair as it causes them to realize the futility of their own idolatry. And that disaster is rapidly coming upon them. Fear, terror, hopelessness, and depression may be their response. The interruption of light sources in verse 12 is figurative, is pointed to the fact that the vast majority of such imagery in the Old Testament is clearly not literal. When Jeremiah speaks of the judgment which came against Israel because of Manasseh, he alludes to the sun setting while it was yet day. Amos likewise speaks of Israel's historical judgment, part of it being that God will make the sun go down at noon. These were not climactic end-of-the-world events, but figurative reference to the depths of the effects of God's judgment, which actually came upon the nation and were compared to the decisive destruction of the cosmos at the very end of history. There is no doubt that as the world continues to press forward into wicked ways, darkness will continue to grow where it seems that it, not, it, it ought not to be. Places where the light of the Lord once were, darkness now seems to prevail. But darkness is not in control. It is merely the reality that we are in a fallen world. And such darkness is caused to stir within people a desire for the light. It is God's wake-up call once again. For four trumpets have now blown with the goal of waking up the world that they might turn and repent. To come to the reality that there is no stability, there is no hope, there is no salvation in this world apart. From Jesus Christ. There is no life. There is no truth. There is no way without Christ. And this is the call behind the four trumpets, right? As God levels the idols 
and the, the false senses of security in this world through economic disaster, through war, through famine, through wicked leaders, through periods of darkness, all of those realities prior to his come, his coming serve as not only a partial judgment against wickedness, but also a picture of his mercy towards sinners, that they might by them wake up and receive Christ, their only salvation. My friends, heed the trumpet blast of God, and let us indeed be trumpets of the Lord, going to the world and proclaiming the message that there is salvation in no other name but that of Jesus Christ. God bless.